But yeah, so during about 3:40, there was a there was a flicker of the power with with this bad thunderstorm that we've got over us here in Karen Crow. And I remember just kind of sitting here and I was like, "Man, it's going to go out at some point. I know it is." And sure enough, 3:55, power goes out. So, getting everything back up, all good. James, game four tonight. How you feeling as a as a Boston Celtics fan? I mean, you can always feel good. It's still it's another home game. Uh, you have the opportunity to take a three one lead, pretty commanding. The only thing that worries me is when you look at it. I mean, I still gotta believe that the Warriors have a really good chance. The Celtics haven't looked the greatest at home thus far in the playoffs. Most of their wins have come on the road. How injured is Stephen Curry, though? Because he can say, oh, I'm going to play, I'm fine. I, th- but I think that dictates a lot. How injured is, how limited is he going to be in this series? Is he going to be the guy that has scored you know, 32 points a game? Or is he going to be you know, a little more limited where you know, he might only be able to give you 15? That that's gonna that's gonna say a lot because the the Warriors have been so dependent on him to contribute these last couple games that if there comes a game that he doesn't contribute, you know wh- where are you getting that contribution from? Sure as hell isn't Dr- Draymond Green. <laughs> no, you're not gonna get your scoring from Draymond. But the thing is, you you've been saying he's washed, but he came back with a vengeance last game. You, I don't. You, you, Watch out for Clay. I mean, if if you can figure out your shot, I don't think he, you can be dangerous. I don't think Clay Thompson is washed. I think he's taken a couple steps back, and it's going to take him a while to get even remotely close to where he once was. I don't. I don't think he'll ever be as automatic as he once was. Now, here's my worry. You know, you, you say watch out for Clay, and, and I I don't disagree. But you, you've seen since he came back, if he has a great night, he doesn't have a great night the next game. He had his great night in game three. I don't see him doing the same tonight. Could he? Of course. That That's the way the NBA Finals works. Anybody's going to show up on any given night. Is he going to do it back-to-back? The Warriors could definitely use it to prevent themselves from going down 3-1. to one. But again, the the two things that I'm looking out for is just how limited is Stephen Curry going to be? What type of player are you going to get out of Clay Thompson? And then what's Draymond Green going to do for you other than run his mouth? Because right now that's all he's doing. And foul out. 15 points, 15 fouls. You kidding me? Like you you just you've got to be better than that when you have been a a centerpiece of this franchise since you got there. I mean, even when KD was there, Draymond was still a key piece of that franchise. You need Draymond. I'm I'm not asking for Draymond to score 30 30 points. I'm not asking for him to score 20. You need Draymond to have 10 to 15 with 8 or 9 boards and 7 or 8 assists. I would say just... Ten would be enough. To you me. need you need Draymond to stuff the stat sheet and get like three, four steals, and if you can, get a couple blocks. Yeah, At, all all across the board, stuff the stat sheet. 
If he doesn't do that, the Warriors are in serious trouble. Especially if Jalen Brown keeps performing the way he is, along with Tatum and Smart. Because those three, the way they looked in Game 3, if they can bring a remote repeat performance, this thing might get oh, this thing might get nasty really quickly, really quickly. Are you still saying Celtics in seven or I, I'm I'm still believing Celtics in seven. See, I don't even know that's going to get to seven games because I mean the Warriors they they're still five and zero when it comes to coming off a loss, and it's the same thing with the Celtics. They're also undefeated coming off a loss. So, I, I still have to believe that when it comes down to it, we'll get to seven, and this is a must-win for the Warriors tonight. They got to believe it. They know that if they lose tonight, then going back to Golden State will be their last chance. So they got to give themselves another life. What you think about Robert Duplichan Martin on on our Facebook poll question? Martin says the Warriors. Celtics won their few games in the finals. Now it's time for my Warriors to get to work. And then Martin goes and comments on Robert's comment with the with the Draymond stare. And then Robert says, yeah, and you said the dubs were going to sweep. I'm sorry if I take your comment with a grain of salt. <laughs> Getting heated in the game comment section today. I love how he chose Draymond of all people. Right. And, you know, if you look at the numbers, Boston's a four-point favorite. favorite tonight. Which last time it was three and a half, and they won by 16. With an over-under of 214. I'm taking the over, and I'm taking the Celtics. What about you? I'm probably just – I'm not going to touch the spread. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to touch the spread tonight because if I feel like the Warriors get it within four or win, awesome, but at the same time – they just as easily could, like, prove me wrong and actually win and go up 3-1. Right, right. Let's talk about a couple of the top headlines in the world of sports. Ron Rivera has fined Jack Del Rio $100,000 for his controversial comments on the U.S. Capitol invasion. Now, it's obviously a, a, a touchy conversation, so I don't want to get you know too deep into it. But you know, in, in a position like that, there's same as the position that you and I are in. There's certain things that you just don't share your opinion on, and this would be one of them. J- you just don't. There, there's certain there's certain jobs and certain fields that you work in that you just can't share your opinion sometimes. I mean, this is this doesn't relate to your team, right? Right. Talk about football. This ain't football. This talk, ain't. This isn't your defense. Talk about <laughs> football. Like, I just find it interesting that we waited till June to talk about something that happened in January. In January, right? It's a little interesting, but that's fine. Uh, Tiger Woods is now officially a billionaire, according to Forbes. He joins MJ and LeBron as the only athletes to be net worthed as a billionaire. So make him one it's of a, it's a very small club. Yeah. There's only, <laughs> we there's only got only three. three. Um LeBron according to Forbes, LeBron James earned 
a gross value of $121.1 million over the past 12 months. You know what? You know what interests me? Or like confused me? The fact that I get it, we got we got LeBron and MJ, two of like like two of the best to ever do it in basketball. What's but what's interesting to me is what about I'm surprised Tom Brady hasn't gone to this milestone yet. Yeah. With all the with all the stuff that he's got and like his own company with the T B twelve and him being with Under Armour. Well dude, think about uh, Jordan. Jordan didn't make the list till twenty fourteen. I mean, yeah. That's fair. But I, I feel like the the next person will no, be Tom. Brady. Yeah. yeah. It, it should be. Yeah. Because uh, I, I don't know who else is out here marketing like he is. Right. No, for sure. For sure. Um, LeBron actually just joined this list last week. Yeah. So, yeah, Tiger, now a billionaire with his endorsement deals through Nike, TaylorMade, Gatorade, and Monster Energy. He's got a big Monster Energy deal. His entire golf bag is, is monster. monster. <laughs> if if you if you pull up a picture on on Google, his, his, it's a black bag and it's got the Monster logo everywhere. So that definitely doesn't surprise me. And then I think the last Capital One's the match that he played in, his golf cart had the Monster logo front and center. Um, so definitely a big. Big endorsement deal with Monster Energy for Tiger. Tiger does expect to play in the Open Championship in a few weeks in St. Andrews. Another big storyline to touch on, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF reach an exit deal with the American, and they will join the Big 12 in 2023. Now, the question is becoming... What does this news mean for Texas and Oklahoma? Which, as of right now, they weren't supposed to leave the Big 12 until 2025. You know, how how is that dynamic going to work? Is now Oklahoma and Texas, are they going to go into the SEC earlier than expected? Because if they don't, for the first two years, for 2023 and 2024, the Big 12 is going to really be the Big 14. And it it'll also be weird if they just somehow like do it like really quickly during this off season, and all of a sudden like, hey, we're we're SEC now, and then you'll have that one year where you only got ten, yeah, and you'll have a second Big Ten. Well, I don't think it's going to happen this year. No, I don't. Schedules I, it's too it's too yeah. late at this point. Schedules are already done, and yeah, no, it's not it's not going to happen this year. But twenty twenty three could be very much in the cards. For, for both programs. Um, so that's that's very interesting. You know, I, I still love the idea of Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC because it just creates more competition for the conference. I mean, you won't have your Alabama and Georgia dominating all the time anymore. You know, you're going to... I think you'll see a good mix of... You know, Oklahoma will be around every once in a while. Texas will be around. LSU, Alabama, Georgia, you know, maybe maybe Billy Napier turns Florida around and Florida gets back into the fold. The SEC could be a six-team race now with, with Texas and Oklahoma joining, which is, which is pretty impressive. 
definitely something to look forward to. We got a big show today. Wilson Alexander is going to join us at 4:30 and then at 5:30 Chris Connor will join us to talk the NBA and the Pelicans. As a reminder, it is the game's birthday and it is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey Wednesday, June 22nd. There will be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from your favorite 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles personalities, including Crush Time with Miguez and Mesh, who will be broadcasting live from the party. That's right, our show, live and in living color. Come join us at B-Dubs Wednesday, June 22nd from 4 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash. We'll take a time out right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. And when we return, we're going to talk New Orleans Saints, Hall of Fame class, hear from Dennis Allen, and so much more. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Let's talk some New Orleans Saints now. They announced their Hall of Fame class yesterday, and it includes Fred McAfee, Devery Henderson, and longtime trainer Kevin Mangum. James, you know, but before we dive deep into each individual player, just give me your overall thoughts on, on this year's Hall of Fame class. It's pretty solid. I mean... Obviously, the personal favorite out of the three would be Devery Henderson because it turns out my he went to Opelousas High, mm-hmm. and so did my dad. Mm-hmm. And also, his cousin used to work with my dad, and they had got Devery to sign a football, so I have a sign football above my, be- my bed. Hey, there you so go. So that's, that's go. a little fun. Uh, I've got a signed football from the 2008 team just the whole team yeah yeah the whole team team and coaching staff um so that's pretty cool i don't know where it's at <laughs> oh so you lost it, it is it is well it's not it's not it's lost on me my mother knows where it is oh okay Interesting. um it, it's in it's in her attic somewhere um because i live in a one-bedroom apartment and don't have room for any of that crap anyways Let's talk first about Fred McAfee. Played 10 seasons in the, with the Saints, two different stints. Was a sixth-round draft pick. One of the top special teams guys of his time. His second Saints stint from 2000 to 2006, 115 special teams tackles, which is fourth in the NFL during that time span. McAfee was one of those guys that could really just do it all. Right. We'll get back to that conversation in a moment. The game hotline wide open, 706-0111. Let's go to the hotline now. Martin joins the show. What's going on, Martin? Oh, not too bad for a Friday. How y'all guys are doing? Absolutely living the dream, man. What you got? All right. So this is what LeBum James needs to do. He wants to own a franchise, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So 
the other day I was listening to the radio, the, the radio station, and I, I forgot who brought it up. And I try to forget it every single day because I'm a Red Sox fan that is partial owner of the Red Sox. So this is what he needs to do. He needs to go buy the Oakland A's and move him to Vegas and go buy his little basketball team. And that way he can sell his half of the Red Sox and be done with it. But and, and uh, I also wanted to say the last thing that the Celtics want to do is take this series to seven games because I think if it does go to seven games, is uh, I think the experience is, is going to be, you know, the deciding factor, you know, with Steph and, and Draymond and, uh, and um, God, I drew a blank. Uh, I drew a blank, man. Uh, oh, what's the other one? The Clay other Thompson? Flash brother. I can't think I drew a Clay blank. Thompson. Was that Clay Thompson? Yeah, Clay Thompson. I think I just think that if it if it comes on the seven games, man. I mean, I think I have to go with my Warriors, but hopefully they can win tonight. That way, I ain't gotta face uh, Robert Duplichet again. You know, I did say uh, they, the the my Warriors are gonna sweep the Red Sox. I mean, the uh, uh, Boston uh, Celtics, but. I mean, Paul thinks that uh, the Yankees going to win the World Series. So, I mean, we can be delusional every once in a while. But y'all have yourself a good weekend, my boy. Appreciate you, Martin. All right. So, All right. I got, I, I got a couple things. Number one, I'm not going to say that the Yankees won't win a World Series. I know he's saying that because he's a Red Sox fan. The Yankees currently lead the major leagues in home runs. They're one of the top offensive teams in the league. They have one of the best records in the league. I'm not going to count them out yet. And also, and here's the biggest thing, they've got money to spend with the trade deadline coming up. So we'll, we'll, we'll wait on that one. Um, if the series goes to seven, I think that heavily favors Boston. Because Boston has more depth than Golden State does. I'll tell you right now, I would take Boston's second five over Golden State's second five any day of the week. James, you agree with me? Yeah, I'd have to say so. I mean, the Warriors really only have about an eight-man rotation, but the, the Celtics can go ten. The Celtics can go ten, absolutely. Because it, it just it just kind of depends on the matchup. Like, if you really I mean, you feel Grant, like... You got Grant Williams, Pepe... Um, what what's that guy? Naismith, Aaron Neesmith. Neesmith, yeah. It, it just kind of depends on the matchup with him. Sometimes you want to put it him, sometimes you don't. But he does give you effort plays, and we obviously saw what he could do in the Miami series. The biggest thing about that though is you you, you can put him in for five minutes and give Al a breather, yeah, or or give or you Grant know, Grant in, a breather in case in case they get into or, foul trouble, right? So and that that's that's the biggest thing is just you know. You have guys that can get in for for five minutes when you have a twelve point lead and say, "Hey, you know, just don't screw this. Contain up. it." <laughs> and you know, you give your guys a break to to be at their best down the stretch when you need them. Um, I I personally think Boston has more depth, which is why if, if the series continues and goes, you know, six seven games, I, I think that favors Boston. And and what Martin said was. The, the experience oh we'll we'll win it for him yes but at the same time the, before, once the series started 
the Celtics, none of the players or the staff, no one had any finals experience. Right. And yet they're still up 2-1. to one. Right. I'm not saying they're going to go 3-1 right here and, and out, have a gentleman sweep 4-1, but, I mean, I, I feel like almost the experience part of it all is almost a fallacy at this point. I think it's going to be Celtics in six. I think they'll win tonight, go up 3-1. They'll go back to San Francisco. Golden State will win that one. Golden State will win that one because they you know they say, have to. And then you say they close it out. In- they close it out in Boston. Uh, that's my thought process. Um, all right, so back to Saints Hall of Fame. So McAfee, uh, again, special teams phenomenon. 115 tackles on special teams between 2000 and 2006, which ranked fourth in the league during that time. He also had five fumble recoveries on coverage units. He was a Pro Bowl selection in 2002, and he was affiliated with the team for three division championship teams and the Super Bowl team. He played in 194 games during his 15-year career, 122 games in New Orleans. I mean, and and now, you know, vice president of player engagement for, for the Saints, and he has been involved with the franchise for most of the time since he's retired. So, James, Fred McAfee wholeheartedly deserves a spot in the Saints Hall of Fame. Of course. He's he's pretty much known as the Saints' best special teamer yeah. ever in the franchise. I mean, you, you got to give it to him. And then and then Dev. And then, I mean, I mean yeah, Dev, Devery's Devery. Yeah, I mean, 124 career games. 245 passes, 4,377 yards, the ultimate 20 deep touchdowns. Threat. Oh, absolutely. Like, just look at his averages. For two years, he had 23 and 24 per catch. Yep. Per catch. Which are the two highest single-season receiving averages in team history. And, yeah, I mean, the, the guy just did it all. He, from 2006 to 2012, he averaged 18.1 yards per reception, which was the league's highest total. And his career receiving average of 17.9 is still a franchise record. Yeah, I mean, how, how, and not to mention, he won a Super Bowl. How does that guy not get in? And then Kevin Mangum getting the Joe Grinelli Fleur de Lee Award. I mean, Mangum is entering his 42nd season as team trainer, working for 10 different head coaches. That is absolutely wild. I mean, that guy, he has seen the Ditka era to the Aaron Brooks era to the Drew Brees, the entire Drew Brees, Sean Payton era. I mean, how, how do you not you know, reward a guy who has worked his tail off for this franchise since 1980? I mean, that's, that's unheard of. You don't you don't see longevity in in careers like that anymore. Let's go back to the hotline. Ellis joins the show. What's going on, Ellis? Oh, uh, not much of anything. Uh, I keep hearing everybody say that the Yankees have an open checkbook. That checkbook is closed. They're going to sign their own players. You go back and look at one and give me one. Point. They signed in free agency for more, for more than five million, if that much. And uh, it's—I've uh, been saying that since uh, the winter time. Just you know, 
which one of the Steinbrenners is at the head right now, and he said repeatedly, oh, yeah, we're going to sign. But when he had a, ch- a chance to sign uh, Verlander, he wouldn't move off for $18 million. And he was uh, Verlander was asking for more than that, which he got from Houston. So the Yankees don't have that money to sign. They have the money to sign, but no one willing to sign the checkbook. No, I mean, that's that's fair. I'm sorry? I, I was saying that's fair. That, that's a fair assumption to make. Yeah, well, you know, I've been a Yankee fan since 54, so I follow him real close. All righty. Thank you. All right, Ellis, appreciate you. Okay, bye. He, I mean, he's right. Um, the, the Yankees... They they do tend they are known for for cheaping out. They have like like you said they have money, but they can. It, it's rare that they find a guy that's willing to agree with it. Right? I mean, the last guy I can remember them signing for for big money was Anthony Rizzo a year or so ago when they're paying him sixteen million a year. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Second time out, when we return, Wilson Alexander of The Advocate is going to join us for Tiger Talk on a Friday fun show. You're listening to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, in Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score, hit high, hammered to left field, going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson Alexander of the Advocate joining us for Tiger Talk. Wilson, man, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you this afternoon? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Appreciate you taking the time. Let's start with LSU baseball. You know, it's been a couple, we've been four days removed from their loss to Southern Miss in the regional final. Kind of had time for everybody to sit there and look at it with a little bit of hindsight. Give me your, give me your thoughts on the Hattiesburg Regional. It was tough. I mean, you know, to, to have such a, and, and so up and down in terms of emotions. I mean, that's, that's really, you know, those first two days, um, with the comebacks that they had to win those games and put themselves in the driver's seat in the regional, um, it was just such a high. Like, you know, this team has been sort of wildly and wonderfully unpredictable all season, but it's thought, okay, man, you just got to win one more and, and then to lose those next two, and especially the way that they lost uh, Monday's regional final to Southern Miss. It was just heartbreaking to see that for, for a team, you know, all of a sudden just saying it's, it's split in, you know, second, your season's over. Um, and that's really what it was. It was just so up and down. Yeah, and you know, Jay Johnson talked about it. You know, post the the regional and the post game press conference about how badly he wanted to take this team to Omaha, and you know, he said that the biggest thing they needed to do was go out and, and get pitching. Do Do you think that pitching was the the biggest thing that held LSU back from from advancing? Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, also you know, this team had to needed to field better. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, over the course of the season, but at the end of the day, yeah, it was, it was the pitching. And, and that was what we, kind of what we said all year long was this season's going to be defined by how well LSU can pitch because it has the offense 
um, but they have to be able to back that up um, and give them a little bit of breathing room at times, and they just weren't able to do that in the end. It's going to be essential for Jay and pitching coach Jason Kelly um, to go out and sort of you know rehaul, uh, retool this pitching staff so it's more competitive next season. General Wilson, I think it was bad. I, I should just say, I mean, like they had a you know a, a decent ERA, but it was just wasn't the dominant sort of uh, top to bottom staff um, that it needed to be. Consistently inconsistent. Exactly. Yeah, Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joining us here on Tiger Talk. So now the the conversation shifts to, you know, what's next? What's going to happen in the offseason? Obviously, you know, you're looking at guys like Jacob Berry and, and Kay Doty more than likely getting drafted, more than likely will not return to Baton Rouge. And then, you know, you also have the transfer portal. You know, what kind of situation is LSU looking at? How much realistically of this year's team will be back in Baton Rouge next season? The core, you know, should be there. I mean, when you talk about Dylan Cruz, Trey Morgan, uh, Jordan Thompson, you know, that freshman class that came in, you know, I guess last just last year and played so much early, um, you know, they should be back and sort of fill the, the core of this team. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see sort of, like we mentioned with the pitching staff, how much of that gets changed. Because they're already, you know, you're losing – Devin Fontenot, Trey Schaefer, Trent Bittmeyer, Mikhail Hilliard, your one reliable starter. Um, you know, who's, who's going to come back from this staff? Uh, we, we just don't know yet. And um, in terms of the lineup, I think um, sort of that central core of it will still be there. Um, but there, should, there could be some, um, you know, Braden Bear. you know, he, he could, could be back. Um, but there's, there's going to be some over, uh, just some tweaking that Jay Johnson has to do. Um, which you find, especially nowadays, in, in that college sports happens every off season, uh, quite a bit of, of player movement. Yeah, Giovanni Giacomo and Brennan Holt announcing their transfers today. So you know that, that that's kind of part of it, right? You know, watching watching guys in the off season that that didn't quite fit into the fold go look for for better opportunities. Now, how can, on the other side of that, how can Jay Johnson use the transfer portal, like we said, to bolster this pitching staff and and to get LSU even closer to to being back in Omaha? Yeah, I mean, we saw him use it um, right when he came in last year, uh, signing as many chances as he did. You know, Jacob Berry, first and foremost, but then also like Eric Razelman and, uh, Bryce Collins and Riley Cooper and, and you know, some of those Arizona guys and a lot of others. I mean, Todd McManus, uh, um, you know, he, he, he has used it before and, and he's not afraid to use it again. Jay's someone who very much understands, similar with NIL, that while it wasn't what he came up in in coaching and it may not be um, what he was you know, used to doing, that that's the way the world these days. And, and he just tries you know to adapt to it and do it's like okay these are the rules and we're just going to use them and um so he's you know i would expect him to use the transfer portal to pick up some uh some players um and you know for some other lsu players to leave like you mentioned to Giacomo and holt there'll probably be some others who haven't played much this year who enter the portal that happens every year um but in terms of pitching i mean you know lsu's got 12 pitchers so far in this recruiting class uh four of them are junior college guys um, and you know they've got some some decent arms coming in uh, just in this recruiting class. So they might, in terms of the pitching side, fill it out more through that. Um, but there's a long way to go, and, and in terms of uh, the, the roster, uh, well, not really that long, I should say, because you know the MLB draft is going to dictate quite a bit. 
uh, there at the beginning of July. Um, so but there's a few weeks here um, for them to kind of figure things out. Yeah, that, w- that leads me into my next question. You, know, you talked about the recruiting class and the 12 arms the, that are sitting in it. You know, my, my question was the draft. Are, are there any prospects in that recruiting class that have the possibility of getting drafted and not ever stepping foot in Baton Rouge? Yes, I'm sure there are. Unfortunately, um, got me a little bit off guard with that. I, I'm not brushed, brushed up on the names uh, for those guys yet. Yeah, I think my colleague Leah Van knows a little, uh, that recruiting class a little bit better at, at this point. But uh, there are every year. I mean, there, there are people who come in on that recruiting class. I know that's not a very good answer, but um, who come in in that recruiting class um, who who are probably going to get snatched up uh, before they ever make it to campus. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joining us. Let's transition to football now. Seven-on-seven high school tournaments happening in Baton Rouge this week. The big storyline has been, you know, Arch Manning and Newman being there. You know, what's been the vibe at at the seven-on-seven tournaments, and how involved is the LSU coaching staff in this operation? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're all over the place. Um, This is sort of their opportunity to talk to a lot of recruits. This is a big – the seven-on-seven camp kind of kicks off a big – weekend of official visits for LSU. There's a lot of guys in town like Jaden Wayne, who's a five-star edge rusher, um, who LSU's trying to make ground with. This is, I think, his second trip to LSU um, this spring. Um, Jordan Matthews um, from Woodlawn and uh, quite a few others, and then, of course, Arch. Um, LSU is not um, expected to land Arch Manning at the end of his recruitment, um, but Brian Kelly and staff have really tried to make up a lot of ground in a short period of time. Um, so, you know, a lot of LSU coaches and staffers all over the field at the seven on seven. Um, and then, you know, this, it also sort of leads into this big recruiting weekend. It's a big month for LSU in this 2023 recruiting class. Um, we're going to get a really good chance to see what this staff can do, um, recruiting wise, you know, during their first full cycle. And this is a, these next couple of weeks with the amount of official visits, um, that they have, uh, you know, recently they had 21 scheduled, um, over the, this, during this month and, a lot of them are four-star guys, some five-stars in there as well. And so that what they're actually able to do on the recruiting trail could end up being quite dictated um, by how much ground they're able to make up this month. Last question I have for you, Wilson, and it's not exactly LSU-related. It's more SEC. You know, the, the conversation of Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF joining the Big 12 in 2023. In your opinion, does that speed up the process for Texas and Oklahoma to get to the SEC faster than 2025? You know, I'll be curious to see to see if it does. Um, the last times I've you know had conversations about that um, with you know with sources, it's it's been that uh, they're still expected to join the league in 2025 because of the media rights deals um, that they're locked into with the Big 12. Um, so maybe this the Big 12 will be a much bigger league for the next couple of years. Um, but it's going to be something to watch um, if they can kind of get in there quicker. Um, but they would have to break those media rights deals, and that's going to be very costly. You know, they, those are lucrative athletic departments, um, but we're talking about some pretty big price tags there. And the expectation, unless something has changed recently, uh, and I mean, I'm talking the last couple of weeks, uh, would still be for them to join in 2025. Yeah. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joining us for Tiger Talk. Wilson, appreciate you joining us each and every week, and uh, we'll talk to you like normal on Monday, my friend. All righty. Thanks for having me. I'll have a great weekend. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Let your voice be heard.
Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Rescue Fest is Saturday, June 25th at Park International. Today of live music featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. Plenty of food, games, and even a raffle for you to take part in. Once again, the Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To buy tickets, go to Eventbrite or by visiting rescuegroup.org, R-E-S-C, Y-O-U group.org. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 52 minutes after 4 o'clock. We don't get to do this often. James, let's talk some NASCAR. I I know you're just a massive NASCAR fan, aren't you, James? I love when they turn left. <laughs> you love when they turn left. I love left. when they turn left because they do it four times a lap. Well, hey, you know, I'm going to tell you, the the race this weekend, they're doing a lot more than turning left. Ooh. They're turning left and right. Oh. They're, all right. They're doing all <laughs> kinds of turns, oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Oh, 11 turns, actually, at, at this track in Sonoma. Um, this, one, this one's a little tricky. Yeah. The, the Toyota Save Mart 350 Sonoma Raceway is definitely um, pretty pretty interesting. Throughout the track, there is 160 feet of elevation changes. So it, it gets it gets pretty wild. Uh, definitely a lot of wrecks here at, at Sonoma. James, do your do your best here. <laughs> Give me a prediction. Who wins in Sonoma on Sunday? I feel like Kyle Larson's kind of speaking to me. Yeah. I mean, it's his hometown track. Yeah. Uh, Chase Elliott's the betting favorite at 9-2. to two. Uh, Chase Elliott's also really good at road courses. He wins a lot of them. Uh, I think like 40% of his career wins come have come at road courses. Um so he's he's definitely one to watch. Again, Chase Elliott, I mean, Kyle Larson growing up in Northern California, so that's kind of his hometown track. Joey Logano's won multiple races this season. William Byron as well. You know, you got a couple guys just that are flat out hot right now. Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch. That, that's the thing about NASCAR. You can have favorites. You can have guys that are on hot streaks, but you just never know. Go back to the Daytona 500 this year. Austin Sendrick runs his first ever cup race and wins the Daytona 500. Like Things like that, you, you can't predict. You, you can't see that coming. Uh, and so that's the fun of NASCAR. Definitely looking forward to a fun race at Sonoma this weekend. And then they take a whole week off for Father's Day before returning to Nashville on June 26th. Staying on the racing conversation... The Belmont is this weekend, the final stretch of the Triple Crown. Of course, no Triple Crown winner due to Rich Strike not running in the Preakness. James Mesh, I know you're a big, big advocate for Skippy Longstocking. 
However, he left me out to dry last time. He's not going to win. <laughs> he left me out to dry last time. He's not going to win. We the people, the betting favorite at two to one. You also got Mo Donegal at five to two. Rich Strike seven to two. That damn creative minister. He's so creative. He's Six so crafty. To one. Barber Road at ten to one. Golden Glider. Hey, Golden Glider. I mean, he he's already golden. You might as well put a gold medal on. I was going to say, just give him the gold now. Twenty to one. I mean, who 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 you think? Who you picking? I'm leaning towards Mo. Yep. I'm going with the Donegal. Going with the Donegal. So, Rich Strike seems like a cheap pick. That's what I. It just it feels like an easy cop out to go with Rich. We the people. I also don't feel like Rich is going to win. We the people really feels like a cop out at two to one. <laughs> Come on. So I'm going with that creative minister. You're going, we're going. Okay, uh, he, he's going to be. He's going to craft his way to victory. That minister. God, you're just so creative. He's so he's so creative. It's just I I can't I I I can't deny the creativity. I love how you gave no love to Nest though. The Nest. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not a great name. No. It's just you, you gotta have a good name if you want to win. If you want my vote for horse racing, you gotta have a clever name. And that's why I was going with Skippy Longstocking initially. American Pharaoh, who I won mean, the Triple Crown a couple years ago, that that's solid. Like that's a great name. Mind that bird. You know, Rich Strike. Thing. You know, you gotta have you gotta have a clever name. And and Ness is not one of them. No, no, sorry, close. it's just not. Uh, update the poll question really quick. Who wins game four of the NBA Finals? On Twitter, seven out of eight so far, say the Celtics. You got one vote for the Warriors. Celtics are just going to be too much. They just are. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two on the other side. Chris Connor still to join us to talk the NBA Finals as well as the Pelicans. Got some news on Brandon Ingram to get into. And the phone line, 706 you're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Hour number two of two. And it's time to hear from you. 706-0111 if you want to chime in on the game hotline. God, I need to write a book of poetry, James. I'm good at it. You swear you're a rapper. I'm good at it, man. Matt Miguez, James Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. So in the first hour, we spent some time talking about Tiger Woods becoming an athletic billionaire. We talked some NBA Finals. We talked some NASCAR, Belmont, some LSU. This second hour, we're going to focus a little bit more on basketball. We'll talk some golf as well with the RBC Canadian Open, as well as the LIV Tour. And, of course... A conversation with Chris Connor all about the NBA Finals and the New Orleans Pelicans. Speaking of the Pelicans, 
got some news to share on Brandon Ingram, who underwent surgery today. Actually, his surgery was Tuesday. Brandon Ingram recently underwent successful surgery on his right fifth finger to address a flexion contracture. The surgery was performed June 7th by Dr. Stephen Shen at the Curlin Joby Surgery Center in Los Angeles. Recovery timetable is approximately six to eight weeks. Now, James, I have a question. Why do they have to say fifth finger? Because that's confusing. Are you are you saying fifth finger left to right or right to left? Because if it's left to right, it's your index finger. But if it's right to left, it's your pinky. So, I mean, I'm sure it's probably right to left because most of the world is right-handed. However, unless you're, but you read left to right. That, that, that can get confusing. Yeah. Why can't you just say right pinky? Yeah, or just say left. Oh wait, left I'm, ring finger. I'm an idiot. Right fifth finger. Yeah, so it's pinky. so right to left. So his pinky. Yeah. Okay. Um. Hey, we're we're figuring it out together. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> the gears are turning. I can see the steam coming out your ears. The gears are turning. He says. All right. So the draft is coming up. Obviously, the Pelicans having the number eight pick. A lot of people like. Shaden Sharp for the Pelicans draft pick out of Kentucky. He's 6'6", 201 pounds. He did not play in 2021. And, but obviously, you know, not playing in 2021, these are his pro player comparisons, James. Paul George, Jalen Green, Brandon Roy, or J.R. Smith. That's all good company. So if that's the option that the Pelicans want to go, look, man, I just want a guy that can shoot. That's all I want. Three and D guy. That's all I want. I want a guy that can shoot, and I want a guy that's going to hustle. That's what this team needs. I want a guy that when CJ has a bad night, who can fill in the gaps for him and knock down you know, three or four three-pointers. That's what this team needs. That's what I want. And if Shaden Sharp is that guy, then you know more power to him. Let's, let's bring him to New Orleans. Let's get it done. Also, the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightning winning 3-1 to one last night. Jamie Green's happy about that one. The Lightning are now one game away from going to the Stanley Cup Final for the third consecutive season. They await... Well, let me rephrase that. The Avalanche await the winner of this series. Game six is going to be tomorrow in Tampa. So Tampa up 3-2. Opportunity to go back home and seal the deal. James, do they get it done? I think they do. Or you think it's going to go seven? I think they finish it off in six. Tampa gets it done. All right, I, so. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, they're they're really good at home, and um, the the way that they were able to to come up late again last night and, and get that final goal against New York just really sealed my my thought process that 
they're they're going to get it done at home in, in game six. I mean, their their last two goals, their leading goal was scored with two minutes left in the period, and then they got an empty netter a minute later to make it three to one. But yeah, Tampa's going to close it out in six, in my opinion, and you'll have a lightning avalanche Stanley Cup final, which will be one for the ages. So looking forward to that. Let's take a look at the PGA Tour standings, the RBC Canadian Open in Toronto. Wyndham Clark has retaken the lead with a one-under performance so far today. He's at eight-under. Matt Fitzpatrick was your leader earlier at 10-under. He has now fallen to six-under. Rory McIlroy also at six-under. Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns at four-under, along with Shane Lowry, Tony Finau. Harold Varner Jr. is at three-under with Brendan Todd. Justin Thomas and Brant Snitker at two-under. Justin Rose, one-under. The cut right now sitting at one-over. Mackenzie Hughes, Dylan Fertelli, Cam Smith, just a couple of big names sitting right there on the line. Uh, but they have finished their rounds for the day, so they should be moving on into the weekend. If you want my honest opinion, watch Rory, watch Scotty Scheffler, watch Sam Burns. These guys are hanging around. They know what it takes to win. Wyndham Clark. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, who? Never heard of the cat. Also, what's going on with Matt Fitzpatrick? Dude. He's fallen. He's, Dude. He's falling fast. He bogeyed his last three holes. Because he was minus 10 when we first opened up the tab, and now he's, so, he's, he's under six. So this was his back nine. He went birdie, birdie, par, par, double bogey, oh. birdie. So he got one of them back and then bogeyed his last three. Yeah, he, he did not finish up well. No, that's tough. Um, so yeah, shot a shot a thirty two on the front nine and a thirty eight on the back nine. So, but hey, six under that puts him tied for second. He's only stroke back, so he he's definitely still in the thick of things. If he if he looks to have a good day tomorrow and even into Sunday, that'll be fun. Looking at the LIV tour as well, Stinger Golf Club is in the lead. Uh, the LIV tour splitting all 48 golfers into teams of four. Stinger GC includes Louis Oosthuizen, Charles Schwartzel, Brandon Grace, and Henny Duplessis. And then lower in the standings, you got Crushers GC at five under. Majestics. Oh, I get it. Majestic, but Majestics. Majestics. That's impressive. Um, your your worst performing team is at ten over for the tournament, three over for the day. Stinger GC sitting at fifteen under through two days of the LIV tour. Poll question of the day: Who wins Game Four of the NBA Finals? So far, we have a landslide. Ninety percent of people are saying the Boston Celtics, while 10% are saying 
the Golden State Warriors. James, give me your X factor tonight. Who is who is the one guy that you're looking for? Either team, like this is to, the guy that has over. to have a breakout performance. Well, well, one of them's got to be Clay Thompson. Yeah, Clay Thompson. Steph has to be manageable. I'm not. You're not asking for him to score thirty again, unless unless the foot just really isn't bothering him. But if it is, you don't have to ask. You don't have to ask him to be otherworldly. But one guy that has to step up, it's got to be Draymond. Yeah. You if if you want to tie the series back up, you can't be going two four and two and have your biggest stat be you fouling out with six. That's just. That's just not going to win you a game. Because if, look at how they guarded him. Look at how the Celtics guarded Draymond. Smart would get on him a lot. He wouldn't even guard him. Because they know he's just going to pass. And if he's going to shoot, more likely not. He's not going to make it. So that ruins the spacing if you know you have two guys whenever you have him and Kavon Looney on the floor. That's two guys you're not really worried about beyond five feet. Yeah. So... And and that's what happens if you're gonna then you can trap Steph and almost double team him at, at points and do the same thing with whoever's in, whether it be Clay, Wiggins, or or Poole. And th- that just puts more defensive attention on them. So he's got to be more of a factor. He's got to score 10, 11, 12 points. He's gonna have to grab eight rebounds and put up assist and also get a few steals on the defensive end. See, I'm looking for Grant Williams to have a night. You like Grant? I'm looking for Grant Williams to come off the bench and provide some key buckets for the Celtics and some great defense in the interior. That's to to me if if they can get that out of Grant Williams plus, you know, a, a, a typical performance from Tatum, Brown, Smart. Yeah, asking them give me you're, give me mid give me mid 20s. Yeah. You you're you're going to cruise to a victory. Over Golden State and take that three-one lead and try to wrap up the series on Game Six when you head back to Boston. One more headline that I want to discuss before we take the first time out of hour number two. Talking about the Rangers Lightning game last night, a Rangers fan has been banned for life from Madison Square Garden after punching a Lightning fan in the face. On the way out of the arena. That's not you, Mr. Green, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ja- Jamie doesn't seem like the violent type. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm just messing with um, I'm messing with Jamie. So, yeah, the, the, I, I, saw, I saw the video of it. it. I don't know if the Lightning fan said something or, or what, but... To provoke them? They're, they're walking down the concourse, like, out of the arena... And the Rangers fan just turns around, hits him right on the chin. The dude drops, like unconscious, drops. Um, had to receive medical care at the arena. And the, according to Madison Square Garden, it was a 29-year-old man from Staten Island who had been arrested on two counts of assault, disorderly conduct, and harassment. Because according to Madison Square Garden officials, this wasn't seen in the video, but after he punched the one fan, another fan tried to intervene and got assaulted by the same man. 
So two counts of assault, disorderly conduct, and harassment. And the two victims received appropriate medical care. And now the 29-year-old man from Staten Island is banned for life from Madison Square Garden. So it's interesting because that's not something you really want to tell people. But at the same time, like I got banned for life. <laughs> I'm that guy that can't go back to the garden because I decked a dude. Like some people might find that prideful. I was gonna say there are a few people like, oh yeah, don't <laughs> that like, yeah. that's our guy. You know the world's most famous sports arena? Yeah, I can't go back. Kind of thing. Oh man. People people are nuts. Next home cutting edge realty is hosting their annual loop day tomorrow. From 9 to 1, the charity event will benefit Canine Companions, which is a nonprofit that gives to those with disability dogs. The event will be located at Boye Dog Park, 411 West Bluebird Drive here in Lafayette. A food truck, Kona Ice Snow Cone Stand will be on site, plus music, treats, and plenty of prizes. All proceeds will once again be donated to Canine Companions. That's Loop Day by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty, Saturday, June 11th from 9 to 1, Boye Dog Park. We'll take a time out when we return We'll have Saints audio from Dennis Allen as well as hear from Cajuns head baseball coach Matt Deggs as he put a bow on the 2022 season yesterday. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, the Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. James... Remind me, who who are we the home for? The Astros and and LSU Tigers. Thank you. So, New Orleans Saints. Dennis Allen met with the media yesterday, and he spent a lot of time talking about rehabbing players as well as rookies and, and whatnot. First audio clip that I would like to play, James is when he spent time talking about second-year players he expects to make a big-time sophomore leap. It's an interesting thing, all right, because I don't really look for big jumps. And, and, and really, when you look at it, I don't think there's ever really any of these big jumps that occur. It's just that guys keep getting just a little bit better every day. And by the end of a month, if they've gotten that much better every day, well, all of a sudden now it's there, you know, and that's kind of the way that 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 works. I know we live in a microwave society and we want to see instant results in everything that we do, but that's just not the reality of the world we live in, you know. So I'm, I'm, the signs I'm looking for are just small incremental improvements, you know, every day. Dennis Allen also spent time talking about his new offensive tackle in northern Iowa's Trevor Penning, you know, what has he seen out of Penning so far and, and what kind of impact can he make early on? Number one, he's out here working extremely hard. I see a, a really big man that's got some really good athletic qualities. I see a, a rookie like I do with, with all these rookies. There's a lot of things that they have to improve on. 
from a mental standpoint, from a fundamental or technique standpoint. But look, he's out here every day grinding away, and I, and I see a little bit of improvement every day. James, he said, I see a big man. He's not wrong, though. He's not wrong. <laughs> he is not wrong by it's any just, means. I, he, he just made it a point to say, like, I see a big man. Yeah, do you? Thanks, DA. I didn't I didn't realize that, that Trevor Penning was a was a behemoth. Anyways. Also, he talked about Michael Thomas, and that's been a big topic of conversation, you know, where Mike's at in his recovery, posting the video on Instagram of him running full speed sprints inside the training facility saying talk soon. You know, where's Michael Thomas at both physically as well as mentally? Yeah, I'm good with, with Mike Thomas's. I would much rather him be 100% healthy and out here and all those kinds of things, but that's not where we're at right now. He is busting his tail to get himself ready to go, and I feel like he's making significant progress. I think mentally he's in a great place, and, you know, again, we're just going to let that process play out and get him healthy. And, look, we have, we have a long time to go before we play a game. And so, you know, again, I'll get back to that huge jump thing. I'm not looking for a huge jump. I just want to see him keep getting a little bit better every day. And then, you know, lastly, talking about rehabbing players, you know, a lot of people like to think that there might be science into that or, or you know, uh, extensive approach to getting guys right. So DA was asked about that. You know, what is there, what kind of approach are you guys taking to rehab? Well, we're just measuring things a little bit, you know, via the computer using some of the technology. Certainly there's a vast majority of it that just goes right over my head, but I understand what it what it looks like and I can understand the concepts. And I think the, the reality is, is anytime that you can show data that can tell a player where he's getting better and then he can feel it and see it in his production on the field, then I think you're 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 gaining something and I think our guys are, are doing that. See that's what I love about DA. He didn't try to act like he understood it all. He admitted that a lot of the things go right over his head. As they should, because he's not a trainer, he's not a team doctor, he's the head football coach. Your job is to get wins, not to get guys healthy. That's why you hire trainers and doctors. On the other side, for the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, Matt Deggs, like I talked about, put a bow on the 2022 season. Yesterday, meeting with the media one last time at the sports complex. And one of the biggest things that he talked about was how there was a lot of positives to take away from the 2022 season. Now, where we did overcome that shortcoming is we're plus 94 strikeouts. So our opponent struck out 94 more times than us. We stole 138 bags at a 77% clip. I'll take that. Our, our opponents were only at a 60% clip. So we were able to beat them uh, in some key areas to make up for the, the fact that we were deficient in freebies. Uh, but that, at the end of the day, is why you're not a top 10 team, which we win those games we are, and not a top 10 RPI in hosting. When you host, you have a 70 80% chance of coming out of that. Those are odds I would rather take uh, to Vegas, not the ones we went in the college station with. So, you know, there's a lot of work to do. We've got to add some some guys. We need a little bit more pitching depth, and the portal makes that possible. And so I think you teams right now can get a lot better real quick. 
we return a, a key group of guys. This will, uh, this is a team that we should all be excited about. And uh, we're going to be rugged offensively, very athletic defensively, and we've got some key components on the mound. I would like to add another piece or two. Deg said a lot there, but the the biggest thing is, you know, there were a lot of things that the Cajuns didn't do well, but then there was a lot that they can do well. And then he spent time talking about how they can improve down the stretch. The next topic that that he touched on that I, I found rather interesting was how when he talked about this team getting to taste success and how they used that success or will use that success to grow into next season. These boys, you know, I think the number one thing we fought for two years, three years, however long it was, was expectation and belief. And uh, now they not only got to, to see it and smell it, they got to taste it a little bit. And to see that they were <clears throat> nine outs away from being in the championship game untouched in a regional, a uh, tough regional at that, uh, I think it's going to create a uh, atmosphere of uh, expectation and, and hard work and uh, accountability and uh, all the stuff that goes along with a championship program. Uh, I'm proud of these, these young men. Uh, they're a very uncommon group. That's been our word all year. Uh, and, uh, you know, you look at 952 community service hours. They led the country. Uh, Per Helper Helper, the app that tracks that stuff, uh, and a 3.43 GPA, and then a championship on top of that. I don't know what else you can ask for as a coach. Uh, get to be around men of that type character is pretty special. Uh, I'm proud of what they accomplished. I'm proud that they restored the grit and the pride uh, and the expectation of the Raging Cajun baseball program. And the last thing that, that I found entertaining or, or interesting is he talked about exit interviews with the players, and he talked about how he, he shared some insight into some of the questions that he asked the players. And one of the questions was if they had a do-over, what it would be. And a lot of players said Texas A&M, they wanted that A&M game back. So one of the reporters in the room kind of turned the question over onto Matt Deggs and said, as a coaching staff, do you have a do-over in your mind? Great question. And I've done some soul searching on that. And I, you know, my do-over is 2011, right? Probably wouldn't have got fired from the best job in the, in the country. But with that came so many blessings, man, and allowed me to be right here right now. And so, uh, I think about do-over sometimes, certainly. Uh, from a managerial aspect, I don't know. I felt like we did a pretty good job of helping put our team in a position to win games. Uh, I don't know of any. And I tell our kids when I cost them a game, and I'll, I'll let them. I, I, going back, I, maybe you guys can think of one. I, I don't know. You get caught double stealing at the end, but that was, there was a lot of, that went into that. I didn't like Debo's first swing. Okay, if I run him and we make it, we've got the tying run at second. They're going to have to throw him a fastball now because Rock's behind him. And I didn't. I was fine getting thrown out because I didn't want Rock leading off the inning. I wanted to get some traffic on with him. Uh, and it's psychological, too. I knew some guys were hurting over the, uh, the jack, and 
I thought, you know, if you're going to hurt, we're all going to hurt. So unafraid to crash and burn, right? Unafraid to crash and burn. So the the two biggest phrases I've heard out, out of this Raging Cajuns baseball team over the last week or week and a half is unafraid to crash and burn, and they play hard, fast, and loose. It's going to be a fun team to watch in 2023. As a reminder, the game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to win awesome prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but the only way to win is by joining the game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Let's take a time out right here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. When we return, Chris Connor of Boot Crew Media will join us to discuss the NBA Finals as well as what's going to happen in the offseason with the New Orleans Pelicans. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, the Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 10th, 1974. In a 12-0 win over Houston, Philadelphia slugger Mike Schmidt hits a public address speaker atop the Astrodome. Instead of a three-run home run, the ball drops onto the turf for a single. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Let's talk some NBA. NBA Finals, the Pelicans. A little bit more with our guy, Chris Connor of Boot Crew Media. Chris, how's it going, man? How are you? Man, it's going well. Yo, it's it's um, really weird to hear. I, mean, I, I know I've been with Buku Media for a little bit, or, or like it's been, how do you say, like the cat's been out the bag, right? But man, it's weird to say Chris Connor working with Buku Media. That's crazy. But, yo, man, I'm happy to be on, man. What's going on with you? Man, I'm, I'm glad to have you. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to chopping up the NBA Finals with you. You know, let, yeah. let's start there. Game four tonight. Boston has a two-to-one lead. James and I both think the Celtics are going to win tonight and push it out to three to one. What do you think, man? Y'all, y'all think the Warriors going down three one? I don't. I, I do. I do not. Um, but look, I mean, I I think that I think Boston is showing that they are. Um, uh, I think that they are the better. Or they feel like they're the better team, right? The better matchup and Golden State, however you want to you want to frame it. I do I can see that another game at home? It feels like Boston should win, especially with the way Jason Tatum is playing and how he's simplifying what everyone else around him has to do, whether his shot is falling or not. However, I think Golden State is probably. If they're not the best, they're one of the best teams in the entire NBA at making adjustments. It's one reason why their third quarters have been so good for so long, because no matter what they're doing in the first half, no matter what they're doing um, you know, in the previous game, they're able to make the right adjustments um, 
in a critical quarter or after any type of uh, stoppage to come out and execute well the next time out. You know, and look, I mean, I, they've been in enough situations as a team that have been up 3-1 um, or, you know, just, just overall with some of the guys that are there to where they know that that situation is often a death sentence, especially going against a team that's clicking as a talented and well-coached as well as Boston. I just think Golden State is going to bat against the wall. Guys around them are going to step up. Draymond going to gonna bounce back in some capacity after a terrible game three. It's one of those games. How many times have we heard about Clay Thompson back against the wall? I think it's one of those situations in which he will perform. And Steph's going to get some help. There's going to be some others. Maybe Jordan Poole you know, will have to play better. But I believe in Steve Kerr and that team just being in these situations so often. He's kind of very you know, important, tight, playoff intensity situations being in Boston. I think that they're going to win um, and have it 2-2 going back to Golden State. Look at you, Chris Connor. Now you're now you're an influencer because James <laughs> James is changing course, saying that the Warriors are going to win now. Oh no, he couldn't do that. Mm-mm. Nah, James. I can't. I nah, can't. I can't let Matt there, speak man. on my we'll name. I can't let Matt speak on my name anymore because I had said the whole show. <laughs> I said this whole series would go seven, and it would there would no neither team would win back to back games in a row. So. By conclusion, I'm saying they would win Game Four. They'll go back to Golden State and they win Game Five. Boston would. Love but it. That's what I was saying. I know, James. I was giving you a hard time. <laughs> it's called laugh it off and move on. Anyways, all right. So, Brandon, talking about the Pelicans for a minute. Brandon Ingram having surgery on his right fifth finger is what the Pelicans called it. You know, six to eight weeks. Do, do you think that puts, obviously six to eight weeks doesn't come close to the, the start of the season, but what, what kind of, you know, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Consequences maybe does that have on, on the Pelicans offseason plans? Well, I mean, you've heard, you've heard everything that's been, that's been mentioned um, and, uh, you know, about CJ trying to organize some things, Zion looking to organize some things around summer league, uh, and, you know, the team, you know, it's very, I think, CJ and CJ McCollum realizes how it's important for the three of those guys to establish a connection somewhat on and off the floor because the team is going to live, you know, live and die um, when they, by the time this season is over by what that trio does. And, I mean, let's keep it 100, you know, 100%, the duo of Zion and B.I. So, I mean, from that perspective, Maybe, you know, they, you know, now them working out together is going to be delayed. And it's unfortunate because last year there were talks about maybe Zion working out with the team uh, in July. And surely, I think the, the, the workout they had in August, but wasn't able to do it because he broke, you know, he ended up breaking his foot. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think that unfortunately that has to be pushed back. Uh, you wanted to, you wanted a, an injury-free offseason for once with this team, uh, especially pertaining to key elements or, you know, your star players. But, you know, at least in this perspective, it's nothing. It, it shouldn't be anything major. And Brandon has had these, these, these type of situations before uh, for, years, well, for a year or so in New Orleans to where, 
he wasn't able to pick up a basketball. I mean, his first year coming to New Orleans, he wasn't able to pick up a basketball until about August. And at that time, you know, I mean, you know, he was able to, you know, to be an all-star and really change the course of his career and how we view him specifically as, you know, Pelican supporters. So I think that, you know, I mean, you know, you'd rather have it now, have him ready roughly for August, and then maybe kind of put things together there as we approach uh, training camp. And uh, But as long as that, that trio can, can stay healthy and then when Brandon is ready, CJ isn't going through something, or Zion, you know, as long as you can, you know, them figuring out and them starting to put it together in August, it's okay. Um, you know, right now, figuring out what the rest of this team is going to look like because you know B.I. is going to be it's going to be ready when it's time. You know Brandon is going to put in the work and not worried about uh, his approach to the season and uh, what he's able to do once he's on the floor. Just get back healthy, you know, and let's figure out some of these other parts in the meantime uh, before we start talking about the training camp and hopefully by the time he's able to shoot, pick up a basketball and shoot again. Chat with Chris Connor of Boot Crew Media and the Bird Rights here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Chris, you know, talking about the Pelicans, you got B.I., you got Zion, you got C.J., you know, and then you have the, the plethora of young talent with Jose Alvarado and Trey Murphy and Jackson Hayes, if he's still around, because there's been a lot of rumors about shipping him off, this being the last year of his contract. What are some moves that you think the, the Pelicans could or even should make here down the stretch as we get closer to the season? Well, man, it's tough, and I, you know, I wish I had a, I had a hot take for you, or you know, I wish I had something that, um, you know, was, I guess, crazy to, you know, with, for lack of better explanation here. But I, I, I think it's so tough because you are, you, you're welcoming back in a real, you know, a real big piece of your organization, someone that, you know, very soon you're going to be given you know, a max deal or to some capacity once, you know, the extension. Um, is available in July, and uh, you know you just don't know how putting him into the starting lineup, right, replacing Jackson Hayes with him, with, with that lineup we saw towards the end, and some of the other pieces, the guy who's going to be playing next to him in some lineups, whether that be Larry Nance, and you don't know how it's going to look, right? The last time we saw Zion Williamson play for the Pelicans, you know he was a guy that had the basketball in his, in his hands a ton, making a lot of decisions, and there, there, there were many nights that. You know, you know, you live and die by what Zion was putting forth. Well, it's different now, right? You know, Brandon Ingram has stepped into you know the role of being that guy after last year, and you know, CJ McCollum. I mean, you've only seen him for what 30, 40, you know, forty games in a in a Pelicans uniform. There's a lot to put forward, and then you have the you know the role players are so different that some some that are going to help them, some of the, some that are going to fit, and some that aren't. So, you know, you have to see. I think, unfortunately. Uh, what those guys are going to look like together, and mention and what lineups are going to work, what players are, what players aren't. You know, will Devon, You know, is Devonte Graham going to have a bounce back of sorts? What improvements will the rookies make? They they had a really you know they you know they all had a great introduction to the league. Well, what year two Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, and Jose Alvarado going to look like? Right? What will contract year Jackson Hayes look like? Right? Is is he going to be able to take a step to take another step forward, a leap of sorts? I, um, I mean, there's so many elements here at play um, with this team. It's hard to make any changes. What will they do with a draft pick? Is that someone that can play right away? Will someone slide? Will they trade up? Will they trade back? Trade? It's just 
anything I think that they, any move that I think that, that they do end up making, I think needs to be small or minimal until you see what this team is set up. What welcomes back Zion Williamson into this element or this current era of, of the Pelicans looks like? How dominating could it be? Or what changes do you need? And I think from there you figure out what changes you need to make. So anything I think substantial, I'd probably wait until maybe uh, the trade deadline of next year because their playoff team now can Zion elevate them or the emergence and the addition of Zion could that alone help them go into you know heights that we've never seen before? Uh, you got to at least let that play out and then make it, you know any type of major moves. Chris Connor of Boot Crew Media joining us. Chris, I got one more question for you, and it's related to the New Orleans Saints. Going through mini camp right now, training camp's about a month or so away. You know, just yeah. what are your what are your thoughts on the Saints as, as the season gets closer and closer? I'm excited, man, because you know this is this is one of the first times, I guess, in a in a while where I looked at the Saints and say, man, they're really talented. They appear to be talented. They appear to be flexible. They're deep in a lot of different areas. Um, and they made a lot of the signings and address needs that us as fans and supporters and, or writers, broadcasters, like we all wanted them to address. And with all that, not many people think that they're going to be a great team. Not many people, they don't, I mean, the national consensus is that they're going to be a middle-of-the-road team, or whether that's because of Sean Payton's absence, or whether that's because, you know, the belief in Jameis Winston or Alvin Kamara's situation. Um, it's crazy that, 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 that the national media isn't, you know, there's some folks like a, um, um, the guy is uh, slipping my name. He used to he's a backup quarterback, but he play, he uh, he's with ESPN that thinks that they're going to be really good. And there's some others that I've seen and think think that they're going to be right there with Tampa. I've seen a few think that they're going to be better than Tampa. But I see things every day, you know, on, on these national networks that don't think New Orleans is going to be really good. But when you look at the talent that they have, for the most part, the structure is still there. There, there wasn't a you know even with the loss of Sean Payton, you know they kept a lot of familiar faces. In those meeting in those meeting rooms, especially when we're talking about players, I mean, I I just I look at a team that is a Super Bowl candidate. I really do believe that. Um, so it's cool to feel that way, looking at what's on paper um, so far. What you even got last year when they what finished nine and eight and were a bad Rams breakdown against the Niners from being in the playoffs. After everything that they went through, through injuries and even having games without Sean Payton, you know, to now we're looking at a, a roster that's better. And even without Sean, teams think, I mean, people believe that they will be even worse. So, I mean, it's cool, man. I, I look forward to the season. I think that this team is going to be really exciting. I think that they can be really good. So, uh, it's really it's going to be interesting to watch. Chris Connor of Boot Crew Media joining us here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Chris, appreciate you taking the time as always. Have a great weekend, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. You too, man. Anytime, man. I'll be happy to be on. Thank you. There he goes. Chris Connor, always a fun interview. Sitting down, talking with him. Trail is putting on a free all-day event next Saturday, June 18th at Cafe 20.3, 1500 General Mouton Lafayette. In addition to free paddling, there will also be a party featuring live music to help out the Mile Zero Heroes by raising awareness and funds to build the new Teat Fur Park and boat launch at Mile Zero of the Vermilion River. 
Donations and sponsorships are welcome. Trail matches up to $20,000 in donations. And for more information, visit www.latrail.org. Taking one last time out, when we return, we'll wrap up today's show and get you on your way to the weekend. Crash out with me, guys, and mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles at a Southwest Louisiana sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Got about two or so minutes before we bring you into your weekend. Speaking of the weekend, James, what are you doing this weekend? After I'm done with everything, I'm going to head over to Toledo Bend. You're driving up tonight? Yeah. Wow. It's going to be a late night, dude. Yeah, I probably won't get there till the tail end of the game. So I won't really be able to watch. I'll just have the live stream on my phone playing listen, on my yeah, Bluetooth. I was about to say, listen to the radio. Yeah. Um. So, what you going to do in Toledo Bend? Just going fishing? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fish all day tomorrow, and then I'm gonna head back over here early on Sunday. My friend's birthday is Sunday, so we'll celebrate with yeah, him. Solid, solid. Yeah, you know, weekend's gonna be kind of relaxed for me. Got some got some wedding things to take care of. You know, it, it's funny. It's not until the last three months that you realize all the little things that have to get done for for a wedding. So that'll be that'll be fun. That's my that's my plans for the weekend uh, outside of the sports world. Uh, Super regional update: Notre Dame up three nothing on Tennessee. So that'll be interesting to watch. Can the Irish take down the number one overall team this weekend? Want to thank Wilson Alexander for joining us as well as Chris Connor. Want to thank you for calling in and speaking your mind on the game hotline. James Mesh, appreciate everything you do. Hope you have a great weekend in Toledo Bend. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well. Give a hug to your mom and them. We'll talk to you on Monday. We'll talk Omaha, we'll talk the NBA Finals, and so much more here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Have a great day.